morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Wednesday, February 22nd, we are studying John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. In today's text, Jesus speaks another one of his I am statements. Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. What does he mean? Our conversation this morning will help us to rejoice all the more in this wonderful promise from our Lord. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Sean Denzer. Pastor Denzer is the Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and the Chaplain at the International Center in St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Denzer, welcome back to Sharper Iron. It's great to be back. So we get started today, Pastor Denzer, let's talk some context. We're beginning John chapter 10 today. What should we know about context in John's gospel or anything else that'll help us with the words of Jesus today? Oh, it's such a rich gospel, uh, and there's so much uh, Jesus uh, speaks, maybe uh, you put it theologically. Uh, There's also all those comments, which it's difficult to tell sometimes whether that's coming from John or whether that's just more Jesus speaking. Uh, But uh, maybe just to say, uh, in John's gospel, we continue to see a focus on the temple. Jesus is going to Jerusalem uh, at least three times, kind of outlining the three years of his ministry. uh, And that's kind of marked by his appearance at the various Jewish feasts. Uh, Even though John himself is a Jew and there's there's all of this uh, Jewish context, Uh, It seems that he's laying it out for everybody so they can understand it clearly, which is very helpful for us who are not native Jews from the first century. Uh, And along with that, then, uh, kind of the last couple chapters, chapter 8 particularly has Jesus' statements uh, about the truth that will set you free. Abide in my word. You'll know the truth. But then he begins to have all these squabbles uh, with the Pharisees. So things are ramping up his kind of uh, uh, arguments. Uh, with the Jewish leaders. Uh, They picked up stones to throw him even, and he had to escape. Uh, But that led to one of my favorite sections in John uh, that uh, you rarely hear because it's so hard to break up. You just got to read the whole chapter, chapter 9, all about the, it's a a saga, I think, about this blind man and uh, everything he has to go through, uh, that he's uh, persecuted for being healed. Um, and yet he gets a little sassy too with the with the Pharisees, uh, and uh, and it's ended with um, chapter nine ends with uh, some of Jesus' very harsh words again to the Pharisees, uh, who are challenging him just as much back. Um, but he says, you know, they end by saying, you know, what are you calling us blind or something? And Jesus says, oh no, if you were blind, then you wouldn't have any guilt, uh, but but you think you see, uh, that's why your guilt remains on you. Um, so we've heard about abiding in Jesus and his word, which is a positive thing. That's us being a son of God, and the son remains unlike the slave who is removed. Uh, here, the thing that's remaining is, is not a, a blessed thing, but, but their wickedness, their guilt. Um, so, so all of that leads to words that are much more familiar to us, uh, this, this chapter about the good shepherd, 
Um, but it's but it's right in the context of this fierce battle uh, and this fierce kind of wars of words uh, and these challenges from the Pharisees in particular. And so there's definitely uh, suggestions that we ought to see the Pharisees nearby. In fact, that Jesus begins by speaking to them. Uh, and uh, and so so even though we might be thinking we're going to talk about fluffy sheep mostly today, uh, it, it, the Lord has harsh words uh, and even these images that are pastoral, which, you know, that's a happy word, especially if you're a pastor or if you know a pastor. Um, but, but for Jesus, uh, there's going to be a sharp edge to this. So I'm glad you brought that up because as I was looking at the text today, it struck me that the words of Jesus continue from the end of chapter 9 into the beginning of chapter 10. In the ESV, the Lutheran Study Bible that I'm looking at, over chapter 10, there's these words in black, I am the good shepherd, the title name that the editors for the ESV gave to this. But it's all words of Jesus before and after. And so if we ignore that chapter break and that little editorial note there, we can see that Jesus is just continuing to talk here Talk a little bit more about that context. So when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, should we think primarily of the Pharisees as that you? Is he broadening his audience? Again, talk more about how that that context informs this chapter so that it's not just, oh, these are very kind words of Jesus, which they are. There's a beautiful promise. But maybe just talk more about how that context shapes the way we, we hear these words. Yes, so we'll see. I mean, if you're looking at a Bible that happens to have red and black letters, you see this very clearly, right? Uh, at the end of this, it says they didn't understand these figures of speech as this dark saying or whatever, uh, however your translation has it. What he was saying to them, and the them, as you pointed out, is the Pharisees, uh, the Jews. It's it's used in general elsewhere. Um, yeah, so this is just a continuation of that. Uh, again, uh, we won't get into the the well-known I am the good shepherd part today. Uh, but but this is a, a, of a piece with that chapter, and we're so familiar with hearing that we we hear and focus in rightly on I think uh, the pleasant words that Jesus says concerning his church, concerning us being his sheep, hearing his voice, following him, uh, all wonderful. Um, but it's spoken nested in this context of rebuking uh, the, the Pharisees who are challenging Jesus, who are refusing to listen to him, who aren't. I mean not those sheep who are following Jesus. That's that's really uh, ultimately his point in all of it. Uh, but he'll also have something to say today about about shepherds, the nation of those, uh, the nature of those uh, who are rightly caring for the sheep, the ones that his true sheep will listen to, uh, and the ones that they won't. Um, yeah. Anything else you had on that you were looking for? Well, just to to keep that context in mind, when we hear words like thief and robber and strangers in our text today, and also going forward again to the perhaps more familiar section that we'll cover tomorrow, that that's maybe the, the connection. You know, it seems perhaps Jesus is switching images. He's been talking about seeing and blindness. Now he's talking about sheep and shepherds and gates. But those those thieves, those robbers, the strangers, that would be the Pharisees, the leaders who are claiming they can see but really can't. That's kind of the connection between these two. Right. I think we do see this in many of Jesus' parables where he he says it kind of out loud in general, uh, but but the implication is is hard to ignore. And and 
in most places, we kind of know that the Pharisees are lurking around because we hear their reaction after Jesus says something generally to anybody who's listening. And then it's like, well, people have said that, right? You throw a, a bone into a pack of dogs and it's the one who, who gets hit that yelps, right? Uh, so, so they reveal themselves as the, one, the ones who were uh, uh, targeted by Jesus, I suppose. Here, it's much more direct. That's who he's talking to. Nobody is, it's not a passive aggressive speech. Everybody knows who we're talking about and, and that it's a challenge, I guess. All right. So let's go ahead and look at this text. Again, we're starting John chapter 10 this morning. This is verses one to 10. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's our text for today. That's John 10 verses 1 to 10. Pastor Denzer, these again are the words of Jesus. He starts with a familiar introduction, particularly in John's gospel, truly, truly, I say to you, before we look at what Jesus says, just remind us of the importance of that introduction from Jesus. What's what's he doing with that introduction that we hear so often? Well, you know this word in Greek, it's it's amen. It's, it's a Hebrew word uh, that just continues to be transliterated uh, directly into the Greek. And I think always think kind of surprisingly doesn't come through in the English. Uh, why not just say amen? Because uh, we kind of know what that means. But maybe we don't know what it means. Amen really does mean, as we've learned from the catechism, this is most certainly true. That's where we get truly, truly. Uh, and whenever Jesus does, I, I suppose the first thing to say is, pay attention. This probably has some significance. Uh, and I think that's probably why it, uh, you know, the editors of the Bible who, who laid out the verses and chapters chose this as a marker for a new chapter because it, it sets it off as what's going to follow will be important to listen to. This is the truth. Uh, and the Lord is saying it as, uh, as God's word to us. Um, uh, but, but again, what is the context that he's saying? It's not really a happy truth if he's talking to those Pharisees who've been opposing him, who he just said are going to remain uh, in their guilt or their guilt will remain on them. Mm. And so with that un- unhappy truth that he is speaking, but necessary truth that he is speaking, verse one then really does continue on that theme of, of judgment that he's been speaking, you know, previously in 941, if you were blind, you'd have no guilt. But now that you say, we see your guilt remains, this truly, truly, I say to you starts with the one who doesn't enter by the sheepfold, but climbs in another way, being a thief and a robber. So it, we're continuing on that same theme of, of judgment against these Pharisees to whom Jesus has been speaking. Right. So he's, he's calling them thieves and robbers is the point. Uh, which, okay, like how in the world is that true? 
so, so I think it's difficult maybe, to, again, it calls this a figure of speech at the end in verse 6. Uh, some people would say it's like a dark saying or a veiled saying. Uh, and, and this is in the realm of parables, of stories, of sayings. And uh, there's, there's a lot of dif- disagreement among people about what exactly that means. Some people take it to mean it's a, a picture in order to facilitate, that is, make easier an understanding. So we do this all the time when we give analogies, right? We say, uh, uh, I can't think of one probably on the fly, but uh, you know, we'll use an analogy to make something easier to understand, uh, give you some point of reference that is in your world so you can understand something that's technical in my world. Uh, so I think doctors do this all the time, you know, the way they describe uh, their work or what they're going to do in a procedure has nothing to do with cutting, you know, this particularly named muscle and that particular named bone. Uh, but, but the way they describe it is easy to understand and gets the message across. That's, that's one way of understanding sayings. The other is just the opposite. It's kind of hidden that, uh, that the real meaning is, is lying under the surface. And in fact, it's said to obscure. That's much more often uh, the way Jesus tells parables. That's what it says, like at the parable of the sower when he gives it. Uh, Jesus even explains to his disciples why he speaks in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear and understand. He quotes Isaiah there. Uh, And I suppose remembering that then puts this in context of the blind man again, right? Uh, They think they see these Pharisees, but they don't. And with this uh, continuing uh, saying, it remains true that they are blind uh, and yet they're arrogant about it, right? So they're entering a sheepfold by a door. That door is going to be important. The fact that this is a sheepfold becomes important. The shepherd is important. We're we're in the the pastoral realm here, but pastoral not in the sense that we often speak of it, like you and I are pastors, but rather pastoral in the sense this is the, about sheep and caring for sheep. When we think about that pastoral realm. What's some of the Old Testament background or maybe even any cultural background from the time that we should keep in mind to help us to understand what Jesus is saying here? Sure. So uh, this is uh, shepherding territory. It has been for a long time. Uh, and of course, the people of Israel are, are always kind of distinctive as shepherds. Think about their life uh, when they go and move to Egypt, right? They, they get the land of Goshen. They get the land that's good for sheep herders, people who are doing animal husbandry, right? Uh, so, you know, what does, what is the door? How does this work? The idea that uh, at the end of the day, after the, the sheep have done their grazing, they're put into some kind of enclosure like a pen uh, and they're uh, put there for safety overnight. Not all of the shepherds will stay there overnight. Maybe just the guardsman, right? The gatekeeper stays, the guy who's on duty. Uh, and uh, so he's got all these sheep from maybe multiple people uh, there in this enclosure. Well, in the morning, when it's time to bring them out to pasture again, all the shepherds come and they call their sheep. And uh, sheep uh, are animals that follow rather than needing to be driven with whips and and people behind them. Uh, And so they listen to the voice. They recognize that the call that their particular shepherd gives, they follow out, uh, you know, and they don't follow the other guy instead. That's how you can put all these sheep in the same pen. Uh, And then you get the idea that, you know, if it's not a real shepherd, uh, the gatekeeper obviously is there to keep them out. So, so that's certainly a, a reality uh, 
of, of something that would be well known to people and maybe the first thing they would think about. But perhaps that actually increases the darkness for the Pharisees. In the long history of Israel, shepherd is a rich term. As we said, these are, these are shepherding people already, so, so that's their natural lifestyle. Uh, but the term shepherd is almost synonymous with king in the Old Testament. Um, uh, and it's it really brought to the forefront when we see uh, the king that the, that the Lord chose, that who is uh, the king that he says is after my own heart. That's King David, who was before his uh, ascendancy to the throne, before his anointing, he was a shepherd. Uh, and so then you have many images of the shepherd of Israel being the Lord or, or his servants. Uh, uh, this is a term that's used uh, especially of kings, uh, but then also of, of priests and prophets as well. Um, boy, there's, there's almost no limit to, to digging through the Old Testament to find it. Is there a place you'd like to start? Well, Psalm 23, with the Lord is my shepherd, I think we have to think about that one for this chapter, especially though when you get to Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. So I, I kind of want to, I mean, I think it applies to our text today, but I, I really see it a little bit in what we'll look at tomorrow, starting in verse 11. When I think about the the contrast that is, Jesus is starting with here about the shepherd versus the thief and the robber, my mind goes to those Old Testament passages and I think they're in Jeremiah and Ezekiel both, where the Lord speaks against the faithless shepherds, the ones who are you know, making themselves fat while the sheep are suffering. That really seems to be at play when Jesus is calling the Pharisees these robbers, these thieves. He's equating them with those shepherds that the Lord spoke against. And again, I think it's Ezekiel and Jeremiah both. Yeah, definitely. I think especially Ezekiel's uh, where he's rebuking them, as you said, for for uh, fleecing the sheep, we might just say, um, instead of feeding them, instead of taking good care of them, they're taking advantage of them. Uh, they're getting fat off their sheep, uh, and the and the Lord rebukes that strongly. Um, that's just one of the many images that the Lord has in both of those uh, those prophets' works. Uh, about false prophets, about false uh, leaders, especially spiritually, uh, who are misleading people, either by, you know, p painting the pictures too good, hey, it's peace, peace, uh, even though that's not actually true, or, or failing to uh, call people to repentance. That's especially Ezekiel when he talks about the watchman uh, for Israel. That's the nature of a prophet, the nature of, uh, of leaders in Israel, or what they ought to be. Um, So with Jesus then calling these Pharisees thieves and robbers, particularly, rather than saying they're false shepherds, I guess he does call them a stranger. Later he'll use the word hireling. But the idea of a thief and a robber, who who are they stealing from? Is, that, is, is Jesus saying, you guys are stealing from the Lord, the, the real shepherd? Is that kind of the, the picture? Is that the theft going on? That's certainly the picture, I think, in Ezekiel. I mean, it's what prompts the Lord to say, I myself will shepherd my sheep. Uh, I'm not going to entrust it to these people who will end up ignoring my commands and not uh, not being true shepherds at all. Uh, yeah, stealing from uh, the Lord, I think, is certainly behind all of this. Uh, and ab abuse, right? Uh, so thieves and robbers in, in, in this context is not simply uh, pickpockets. Uh, but there's often the association of violence with these people too. Hmm. 
So in the immediate context with chapter nine, just coming before this, a good example of them being thieves and robbers would be what they did to the man born blind when they put him out of the synagogue. And then the fact is, John notes, they'd already made up their minds that anybody who declared Jesus to be the Christ would be cast out of the synagogue. That would be a very concrete example of of what Jesus is talking about here. Definitely. And uh, I think what might be helpful to looking beyond simply the, the pastoral images is to see the position the Pharisees have put themselves in. Uh, so even shepherd is almost metaphorical, especially in Ezekiel, and as we saw in Psalm 23. Um, what is the position that they put themselves in? It's it's that they're rulers. It, it's that they're they're uh, d- deciding who's in and out. That they are uh, irrigating that to themselves, and that's certainly the the you know regardless of where you see this activity happening that's the point of uh, entering by a different way that's the point of being a, a thief and a robber instead of the genuine article uh is is there's there's deception there's there's something that is false about them uh, the way they've put themselves in this place and the activity that they're doing with that authority is entirely wrong um uh, and i mean that's certainly the way i think con artists thieves do it. They they gain your trust in order to misuse it. Uh, a robber, you know, sneaks by the way and preys on somebody when they're most vulnerable. Uh, that's certainly the Psalms talk about people uh, lying and setting snares and uh, lying in wait for somebody uh, and thinking that the Lord isn't going to see this. Right. So all of that is is behind this as well. Hmm. I mean, I know Jesus is speaking in a figure of speech here, but as we're talking about what he means, my mind is going to the way Jesus speaks in Matthew 23, where he speaks the woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. Mm. And he, he says things like, you know, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Or later he calls them blind guides. I mean, it sounds like those woes that Jesus speaks in the context of Holy Week, it's a very similar thing that's happening here that he's speaking in this figure using the the pastoral language. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're near the tabernacle when this is happening, aren't we? Uh, the temple. Well, so it's, it, exactly when this happens can be a little difficult to ascertain just based on the way John has has spoken. the The nearest markers are at the beginning of chapter was it chapter seven or eight, where we know we're there in Jerusalem for the Feast of Booths. And then by the end of chapter 10, we're going to hear about the Feast of Dedication. So we're, we're kind of somewhere in the vicinity of Jerusalem, it would seem, between those two two feasts. So near the temple seems a fair thing to say. Yeah. So some, some have suggested that, uh, that that's kind of what is going on here, um, that, that the place to enter into Jerusalem and enter into the temple is through the, through the gate. Uh, and the idea that the person who does that is is the rightful king, is the rightful priest, is the rightful ruler. Uh, and so who are the people who have uh, taken that position? Who are the people who have irrigated themselves to be the leaders of Israel? It's these Pharisees. Uh, and uh, who is the rightful uh, leader of Israel? Well, it's the shepherd. It's, it's the one that the gatekeeper actually would open the door for, uh, and that's Jesus. But they're missing that. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, look, I looked forward while you were talking there. In verse 22, we do find out at that time the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter. So assuming that that we're meant to read this part of chapter 10 with that part of chapter 10, that's where we are. So that context of the, the temple is certainly in play. 
for what Jesus is saying here. So truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. There is more indictment for Jesus against these Pharisees to whom he's speaking. In verse two, though, he starts to to turn the corner and now speak about it positively, and he's going to end up speaking about himself. He says, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. As we keep reading Jesus' words here, there's any number of images that we can pick up on and and talk about. We've got about two minutes here before the break, Pastor Denzer. Where do you want to start in these words of Jesus? Maybe just to say the shepherd of the sheep, meaning they belong to him and he belongs to them also. Uh, you know, so that so they recognize his voice, and the shepherd rec- shepherd recognizes them as his sheep and and has a has a care for them. is is going to be responsible for them. It's the opposite of a thief and a robber that is taking what doesn't belong to them and uh, doing some kind of abusive activity. Uh, this is a care. This is a caring, a valuing uh, that the shepherd has, and so, uh, so Jesus has come by the right way. This is this is constantly the question that he's being asked. Right? Where do you come from? Uh, what do you say? And all this. Uh, well, Jesus is trying to show this, even though they're rejecting that very thing. Before Abraham was, I am. Uh, if I if I did not come to do the will of my Father, I would be a liar like you. Uh, so, so in a sense, maybe the father is the gatekeeper, or I suppose another way to say it is maybe, uh, the true prophets of Israel, people like Moses were the gatekeeper, uh, who were opening, uh, all of this. And if you had paid attention to Moses, if you had understood, like it said earlier, uh, that these are the scriptures that testify of me, uh, then you'd recognize me as the true shepherd. Uh, but, but that's, what's, uh, being ignored by the Pharisees. Yeah, they've they've missed the fact that Jesus is the true shepherd, even as he is preaching to them as their good shepherd. We're going to keep looking at this text on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking about the first part of John chapter 10 this morning with Pastor Sean Denzer. We will be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, February 22nd. We're studying John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10 with Pastor Sean Denzer. He serves as Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and Chaplain at the International Center in St. Louis, Missouri. 
Pastor Denzer, prior to the break, we were looking at these opening words of Jesus in John chapter 10. To him, to the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. Then Jesus speaks about the sheep hearing his voice, and this also will be a theme that we'll see throughout this chapter. Talk more about what Jesus means when he talks about the sheep hearing his voice and following him. Very rich in John, uh, we begin with the Word of God from the beginning, right? Uh, we talk about those who um, those who did receive him, uh, who would call on his name, right? Uh, the right to become the children of God. By the time we get to chapter 8, uh, we're hearing that uh, those who abide in my word are truly my disciples. We've just had the whole uh, affair with the blind man who, I mean, consider this, he did not kind of know who Jesus was when he was talking to him later because he had just been going by the voice and obviously not even by the recognition of any timbre of the voice, but simply the words, you know, what was being said. He was following the instructions he was receiving. Uh, he was believing in Jesus and he wanted to then know and see him with his new eyes as well. Uh, so it's hard not to see the blind man as an example of one of these sheep who hears the voice of Jesus, who recognizes him. Who, uh, who, for whom blindness was no issue, uh, and yet who receives his sight as well, but he was seeing long before his eyes worked. Uh, and uh, so together with this voice is uh, not only that he calls them out by name, uh, and he leads them by means of his voice, but also that he brings out all of his own. Uh, so we talked about if you're going to kind of follow the general sheep uh, lifestyle of uh ancient Israel, right? It makes sense that he would, uh, the, the sheep that belong to him know that voice, they recognize it. Uh, so they just follow, you know, they'll, they'll know that voice, they'll ignore another voice. But um, this, this phrase of those who are my own or the ones that are given to me, this is something that continues to come up in John's gospel all over the place. In Jesus' famous high priestly prayer in 17, he prays about those whom the Father has given to me. He talks about this, all, uh, mentions this also in the Passion, right? Of those whom you gave to me, I have lost none of them. Uh, so maybe then the question becomes, who are the, what is he leading them out of, right? Uh, is he calling out his sheep out of the fold of Israel, those who actually recognize the voice of the shepherd of Israel uh, there in Jesus, as opposed to maybe the Pharisees that get left in the gate? Uh, or is he simply calling his Christians out of the world? Uh, and, and surprisingly, uh, not all of the sheep uh, that you might expect are following him. Hmm. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really t taken, I guess, by the idea that, uh, that the Lord is calling out, uh, similar to what Paul says, I guess, uh, uh, that the Israel of God is is not to be just identified with those who come from the blood of Abraham. That certainly accords with what we had uh, back in chapters uh, 7, 8, uh, where uh, he right. was confronting them, and uh, particularly on the issue of what about Abraham? What's his opinion? And right. Jesus appealing to him saying, well, Abraham saw my day and was glad. So if you're fans of Abraham, you should be great fans of me. That's right. That's right. Or even going back to chapter five, you know, if you're going to listen to Moses, you should be listening to me. So this, that same theme of Jesus is speaking his voice and those who hear him as they heard Moses or Abraham, they continue to follow him. He's calling 
to follow him, the true Israel of God, that is the Israel that lives by faith, that's not the bloodline. It's all about believing in God and the one whom he sent, Jesus. He's That's similar theme continuing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, uh, as with the parables in the Synoptic Gospels, it, it's probably a fair warning to say digging down into every little detail and kind of identifying right. it can be dangerous, or or maybe just lead you in an unfruitful direction. Uh, right. At the same time, it is so essential throughout the Scriptures this idea of the Word of God, the voice of God, the speaking of God, the listening to the one that God sends. Um, again, Moses says that that's the defining characteristic of the prophet that is to come like me, uh, but greater than me among you. He's the one to whom you will listen. And, and in fact, the father will require it of everybody to hear and listen to what he says. Uh, so it's, it's hard for that to be far from this. And, and by contrast, to put it in a positive way, the delight that a Christian has in hearing the word of God and singing it right. and praying it and hearing it read in, in, in the service as we do on this show all the time, to simply uh, walk through the Word of God and uh, and just constantly be amazed at, yeah, I suppose on the one hand, how much we don't always know so perfectly, uh, but also just how rich it is that we we spend our whole lives delighting in this, right? We Even, even when we uh, uh, struggle, uh, thanks be to God, we still follow this voice. God grant that it always mm-hmm. be so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the the joy of the Christian and hearing the voice of the shepherd and following it, that's a, a wonderful thing. But one more thought on the, you know, who he's calling and and some of the Old Testament background again. As you were emphasizing the fact that Jesus says these are my own sheep whom he's calling. My my mind went to the the Venite where we we sing part of Psalm 95, you know, he is our God, we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So that idea that God is our shepherd, we belong to him. But then, you know, the Venite stops. We stop singing at that point. But Psalm 95 continues. Well, it, it does. And I got to say, uh, it's only in Go America ahead. that we have this issue. The the Lutherans uh, in former countries oh. always had the, the Venite is all of Psalm 95. So, oh, okay. It's when we borrowed uh, from the Anglicans in English that we lost the mean part at the end. But the mean part's the important part. It's the one that gets quoted in Hebrews, right? Right. Well, and, and it seems, I mean, again, I don't, I don't know if, if Jesus intends us to hear this at this point, but it, it would make a lot of sense given that he's talking to the Pharisees where, you know, as Psalm 95 continues elsewhere, when we sing the Venite, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And then the, the writer there in Psalm 95 continue, I don't know if that's David or not, but he, he continues to bring up Old Testament examples where the people did harden their hearts. And so, you know, it's almost like Jesus is echoing that language here to the Pharisees saying, listen to my voice now and don't harden your hearts lest you never enter my rest, which is where Psalm 95 concludes. That's right. And the sheep, I mean, the sheep as an image for Israel is is continual through the scriptures uh, for God's people. We could say that rightly and, and apply that to ourselves uh, as New Testament Christians as well. Um, but but to see that it is in hearing his word uh, that we are brought uh, to him and, and kept with him, and then somebody who puts themselves in the place of that, either in the place of God, worst of all, I suppose, but even to put yourself in the place of his words, to to pass off your own rules or teachings or ideas as God's own ideas. Uh, these are the things that Jeremiah and Ezekiel rebuke so so firmly, and, and the Lord rebukes by them. 
Mm. All right, so Jesus' words then in this section conclude, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So again, thinking about this from the perspective of the Christian listening, we rejoice to hear the word of Christ, but where we hear the opposite, where we hear the voice of the stranger, we we flee from that. And so just as much as we rejoice to gather together and hear the word of Christ together, and, and then in our homes as well, when we hear those voices that speak the opposite, the voices of strangers and thieves, we we rightly run away from those and, and shut our ears to those voices. Correct. And I think especially in this whole section of John, uh, it's difficult for us because we maybe want to think of ourselves in the active role. Uh, but but Jesus is certainly putting himself in the active role, especially when he's likening himself, saying, I am the shepherd. Uh, so um, his focus is not on, say, those who make the right decision are <laughs> these, but he's just acknowledging that that of all those people who may claim to be near him, to be near God, who might claim to be religious or spiritual, or especially the ones he's talking to, claim to be somehow children of Abraham, connected to Israel, etc. The proof will be in the hearing of his voice, in the following him. It was very much like the beginning of John again, right? Uh, He came to his own, they didn't receive him, but to everyone who did receive him. And we're almost not even told how that comes to be, right? Uh, and, And of course, we know from from the whole of Scripture, that the Holy Spirit leads us, or as Jesus says in John's Gospel, the Father Himself draws—that's by the Word of God—draws by the cross uh, 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 that we're brought to faith by Him. Um, so, so, but that's the context here of of those who uh, those who know His voice also are those who flee the other voices. Hmm. So, in verse six, John speaks up and says. They didn't understand this figure of speech that Jesus was using. And then in verse 7, Jesus continues to speak. So again, he says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. This is another one of the I am statements of Jesus in the gospel, according to John. Take us into what Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. I do think he's he's shifting a little here. So he doesn't say, I am the shepherd uh, yet, as we see. We'll get to that uh, in tomorrow's text. But this is now a shift. So before, it, it seems that Jesus is likely the shepherd, the one who's being led in, uh, or certainly those who are with him are the shepherds being led in as opposed to the thieves and the robbers who are contrary to him. Uh, but here, so, so the gate was kind of inanimate and just being opened in the previous one. Now he's saying, actually, I'm the gate as well, uh, which, is, which is fascinating the way... Um, I suppose, like you said, Jesus mixes his metaphors. Um, here he's not even <laughs> afraid to do it within the same metaphor. It seems like he's lots of things. He's uh, he's all of it. Actually, that doesn't sound so crazy. Uh, so, but I am the gate, or I am the door of the sheep. Uh, the the one through whom they go, the one by which they are seen. Uh, there's almost no limit to how we ought to apply this door. So he's the the entrance that if you're going to enter into the the sheepfold, if you're going to be a part of the flock, you must go in through him. That's at least part. I mean, so similar to I am the way, the truth, and the life, or where Jesus will say elsewhere, you know, if you want to see the Father, you must see me. All of those things are are in play here with being the door or the gate. Yeah, and he adds to it, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. We've heard about thieves and robbers already today. 
but the sheep did not listen to them. It seems like just a repeat of what happened before. I think it's very interesting, though, uh, the, the thieves and robbers, all who came before him were thieves and robbers. I, I mean, I thought Moses was testifying of him. I thought Abraham delighted to see his day. Uh, you mentioned Jeremiah and Ezekiel. I, I think they proved to be faithful prophets. So uh, that's an well, interesting phrase, right? Well, and that's maybe something that's missing from Jesus' parable, and not missing in the sense that he should have put it in, but he didn't, but missing in the sense that he just he doesn't talk about that. He's contrasting himself with the Pharisees and the the scribes and those who who follow in that same line without thinking about the faithful prophets here. It's not that he doesn't acknowledge them, because he does, as, as you just brought out a host of, of examples, but they're not really in view here. It's just not part of the way Jesus is teaching. Yeah, well said. Some have pointed out um, there are there are a number of messianic figures that appear at this time in history. So there are at least two in kind of recent memory. Um, uh, we also think about the revolts that happened after Jesus was crucified, risen and ascended. Uh, finally, you know, in 70 AD, the Romans say, we're done with this, and they wipe out uh, Jerusalem uh, and, uh, and conquer it. Uh, uh, dramatically, so uh, some have just pointed to that and said, you know, there are a lot of false. There are a lot of people claiming to be the Messiah or the rescuer or the defender of Israel right now. I'm the real deal. That, that doesn't quite seem to be satisfying, especially when he's trying to compare them, uh, the Pharisees, to those people. Um, likewise, there was kind of the Zealot movement, which was, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Peter perhaps was Simon was a zealot for a while, right? Uh, kind of, uh, I almost want to call it like the underground terrorist movement of, of Israel. Uh, uh, but, but you know, really, like you see in the Maccabees, for example, uh, willing to go to battle even uh, in order to overcome the Gentile rule that they're under with the Roman Empire. Hmm. You know, just thinking about that Old Testament context we were bringing up earlier, especially again, Ezekiel 34, where the Lord finally concludes, I, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. Mm, yeah. Then, I mean, maybe that's the reason that the faithful prophets, including like John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Christ, maybe that's the reason they're not brought up here is because Jesus wants to emphasize, I am the good shepherd and, and everyone, even those faithful prophets, they're all the sheep. They're all following me. And anyone who who would distract from that, they're the the faithless prophets, the the thieves, the robbers, later the hired hand that we'll talk about tomorrow. And so maybe that's the reason in this context, the faithful prophets aren't one of the quote characters in this story. I love that. I mean, certainly nobody has come uh, in the way that Jesus has, uh, you know, the father, the father's own son uh, taking up human flesh, as, as John's very interested in uh, at the beginning. So likewise, John the Baptist and Jesus seem to have that disagreement, right, uh, on whether John really is Elijah or not. John is very uh, dismissive of himself. Uh, I, I'm not the Christ. That's the important confession I can make as a negative confession. I'm not the one. Uh, so uh, I think John would just be saying amen to this if, if you were still around, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, nope. Nobody else has ever come before this one. And uh, we could just forget about every, anybody else who did. And if we want to hold on to any of those that have come before, uh, they become thieves and robbers. F- frankly, actually, what I just said there, I think is very true in wrestling with the, with the real struggle that 
the Jews, the, the sons of Israel are supposed to be the chosen people of God, right? Uh, these are the ones to whom Christ came. He, he, I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and yet um, uh, they are rejecting him, uh, and they continue in all the ways that they always had, and 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 even they are startled by that. Well, how can you introduce something new and dispense with Moses? That's that's crazy. But the the point the Christians would make is to hold on to those things as the final, as the ultimate, as the, as the anything less than the shadow, anything more rather than the shadow of the true body that is casting them, to use the language of Hebrews, that is to be grabbing onto something that is that becomes false. In the same way that, say, that uh, uh, serpent on the pole was given by God to the Israelites to, to save them even, uh, and yet later had to be destroyed because it had become itself an object of worship. Uh, so so also, if if you have a religion of Moses and Abraham and, and Jacob and Isaac, uh, but lacking Christ Jesus, the time has passed for that. Yeah. You, you, yeah, you turned Abraham into a liar, even though he saw Jesus day and was glad. Right, right, and again, even I mean, maybe with if we if we want to see Abraham and Moses here, then they're the ones who are hearing the voice of Jesus, and they're following Jesus again, making it all about him and not about. So, like, don't follow Moses or don't follow Abraham. Follow Jesus, who is the one that both Abraham and Moses followed anyway. Which again, this is what Jesus has has preached, and and thinking about that text in this light, I think is a, a great comfort at least I know to me as a pastor, because looking at this text, I'm like, well, where do I fit in this? You know, Jesus is the good shepherd and there are hirelings later and there's going to be a wolf and there's thieves and robbers. Where are the, where are the faithful prophets? Where are the pastors who, who proclaim Christ crucified? Well, we just get to be the sheep who follow Jesus, which is a, a really great comfort. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It's comforting. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, sometimes as, as pastors, you know, we, we I mean, and this is true probably for all Christians, right? We want to do something. We always want to do something. And here, the, the doing is simply listening. Let Jesus talk. You follow his voice and rejoice in being a member of his sheepfold. What a joy. Yeah, so when he repeats, I am the door there in verse 9, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. I suppose that's where Abraham and Moses and Jeremiah and Ezekiel are. Uh, they are they are hearing him. They are they are with him. They are entering into the pasture. They're saved as well, and it's all through Jesus Christ. It's all through mm. His door. Uh, that's that's difficult for us to see. Of, I mean, of course, this is dark. I suppose if you're trying to work this out in terms of the timeline, uh, uh, but but the Lord has always been saving His people. Christ Jesus has always been the Savior of uh, even everybody who didn't know Him by name or by sight, who never saw his day, kind of in person. Uh, but that, but that's what it means when he says, Abraham saw my day and was glad. Yeah, that's right. Take us into the, the last verse of our text today, verse 10, this contrast that Jesus brings up again. The thief, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come to have life and have it abundantly. Talk about that contrast. I think this is a passage that gets uh, yanked out of its context in particular. Never, <laughs> never, never, never. That never happens. So uh, we're dealing with this maybe more than we have in the past. Uh, prosperity gospel, we call it, um, where 
really it's uh, it's proclaimed as the the emphasis the the point of Christianity is to have good uh, to to have good things in this life to have to have wealth to have happiness to have uh, uh, comfortable uh, lifestyles uh, and that that these are kind of the ways we measure ourselves too again to speak about us right uh, so I will know that I am uh, God's chosen and His special person if it's all going well for me. And by contrast, although they don't mention this as much, if it's going badly, that's, that's yeah, I guess you're not, right? Uh, which, which doesn't offer a whole lot of comfort. So, uh, no, the abundance of life that Jesus has come to give is not just, uh, thank goodness, right? He isn't actually just going to make us literal sheep who get to be satisfied with the grass that withers and fades, or even with the gold and the silver and the bread which perishes, right? Uh he gives that which lasts forever. So uh, the Lord talks all over in the Gospel of John. He just like punctuates every once in a while with this phrase, right? Uh, and I will raise them on the last day, right? Uh, and uh, I'm the resurrection, the life. Um, uh, I uh, uh, Whoever li- believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So, or John three sixteen, right? Uh, the eternal life, the everlasting life that he's come to bring. This is another iteration of this. This is another just breaking it in. It all, I am almost tempted to say that he's speaking plainly here instead of in veiled sayings anymore. Because um, he starts to just come out with it, that um, it, I have come to give life. I've come uh, to, to bestow something that doesn't end. Yeah, I mean, thinking back to the the I am statement in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life, and all of the conversation Jesus had around that, teaching that he alone has this life that lasts forever. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life. All of those things that he said about the the life that he gives and the way that he nourishes us unto that life, we should keep in mind when it comes to this abundant life that he promises here. I, I think as well, where he speaks about the thief coming only to steal and kill and destroy, that's a helpful warning to us when we would look at those things that lead us away from Christ, whatever whatever sinful desires those might be, and thinking that those would be good for us, Jesus here just gets rid of any notion of that and says the thief is only going to kill and steal and destroy. So if you think you're going to find good things out there away from Jesus, you really won't. That's where death is. Life is only right here with Jesus. Mm, Well said. And maybe to bring it back to the Pharisees, since we said they're still in view and he's kind of talking to them, the way in which they were so willing and ready to put out this blind man, right? Uh, if he had sought his life in just them, they took it away in an instant, <laughs> or they were prepared to, right? Um, uh, this is not the way the Lord acts at all. He he, he is not out to be stingy, uh, or to or to give something in order to someday withhold it for some great benefit of his own, right? Uh, as a punishment. Um, that is in no way, right? He gives life. Uh, that's his whole purpose for coming. And it's not stingy. It's, it's, it's abundant. Yeah. It's, um, it's not given with all sorts of hooks and, and snags on it uh, in, in the way that um, false shepherds, whether that's pastors or, or princes and rulers uh, or, or false messiahs too, uh, always mm-hmm. do. Yeah, the the abundant nature uh, 
that from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. There's mm-hmm. there's always more grace. This is an abundant gift of Jesus overflowing for us, his sheep. I have about two minutes here, Pastor Denzer. Help us to wrap things up on this part of John chapter 10. Give us the good news from the fact that Jesus is the door for the sheep. Jesus, Jesus is the entrance. It's the entrance into life that is abundant. Um, uh, and, and he and he's not tricking us. Uh, so the Lord doesn't uh, uh, come and keep himself hidden uh, from all of us. He's desperate to try and get people to know. I mean, we should see that behind even his fighting against the Pharisees, uh, that he is really speaking the truth to them, uh, not because he desires some to be condemned and, and he's going to get them and, and maybe you know leave things hidden from them, uh, but, but precisely because he does love them. And yet those who are his own, uh, he will keep with him. Uh, so, so we hear that he is speaking with his voice. He is always calling out. Uh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, so then, if we are Christians, if if we trust in him, you know, if we would like to follow this Savior, uh, we want to stick close to his voice always. We want to be discerning. So we want to hear his voice and not listen to the voice of others, robbers and and liars, and everything that would lead us away from abundant life into some kind of temporary and probably easily withheld life. Uh, but, but likewise that we will, we will hear his voice and, and be brought with him. Uh, he'll lead us through himself as the door. Uh, he will be the shepherd that gathers his sheep and brings them into good pasture. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, and he says it very clearly. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and he'll have the good pasture. Pastor Sean Denzer is Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and Chaplain at the International Center in St. Louis, Missouri. He's been with us today to help us with John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Pastor Denzer, thanks for being our guest today. My pleasure. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about the gospel according to St. John, please let us know. Send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or you can download the KFUO app on your favorite app store. There's an open mic feature there that allows you to send up to a 60-second message to us. It's always great to hear from you either way. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.